are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What's happening? Welcome to the Lockdown Pistons Podcast, episode for Tuesday, November the 12th. And Cat gets the cat off of his back. This is your boy, Matt Shook, the host of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering the NBA for the Detroit News and Associated Press, a Pistons fan and follower my whole life, just like you guys, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thank you for spreading the word about the Locked On Pistons Podcast. Today we're going to run down... The details from Monday's game as the Pistons drop another one with a couple of familiar faces back in the starting lineup. A little bit of surprise. I'll give you my biggest three takeaways from this one. I'm also going to talk to you guys about the Miami Heat, tonight's opponent, as the Pistons embark on the second half of back-to-back. But give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that. Also the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Lockdown Pistons Dash. Matt Shook, but the Pistons lose on Monday night, 120-114 to to the Minnesota Timberwolves, falling to now 4-7 and on the season, fading fast in a year where they need to be eating this soft schedule early on, now 1-1 one one on nights when they're playing against a team that is on the second half of a back-to-back like Minnesota was on Monday after losing in overtime to the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. The Pistons now 0-1 on nights where they have arrest advantages. That was the first time that they played a team on the second half of back-to-back when they themselves weren't on the second half of a back-to-back. Pistons in the in 10th place in the Eastern Conference. One full game out of the playoffs. Brooklyn is 4-5. and five. And in 8th place, Charlotte is in ninth in between Detroit and Brooklyn as well. Pistons still ahead of Atlanta by percentage points and also ahead of Orlando, Chicago, Washington, and the New York Knicks, but not much ahead of any of those teams as a 4-7 and seven team should not be blowing out anyone so far this season. Carl Anthony Towns gets his first career win against Andre Drummond in the Pistons. He is 1-8 and eight now as a max player in his short, short career coming out of Kentucky. The defense on this Detroit team is not good at all. should be an alarm game for you guys that go off. Um, I think we need to be thinking about that when we talk about things in the big picture, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. A good debut from Blake Griffin, especially on the box score. 19.7 rebounds in a team-high six assists in just 24 minutes of play. Just really good. Pleasure to have him back, as you figured. Two late turnovers weren't very good, obviously, there. Figuring out these late-game situations on the fly as a roster and Dwayne Casey as well. Refitting Andre Drummond back into the offense with Blake Griffin. That'll be tough. Andre did okay as the hub of the offense with Blake out, but uh, Blake is better at that role. So having uh, having Blake Griffin stunts Andre's potential a bit in my book, but what he gives you as that in terms of the hub or the potential to be a more of a hub is just not worth, in my mind, caring about all that much. I mean, I don't think it's something that should be developed as a major part uh, of what your offense is going to be going forward. Andre is better at some things than others, but you'd rather have him become better at the things that he isn't great at in the team setting right now when you have Blake Griffin as the team is currently constructed. That rim runner, 
rim protector type of guy that he's not really become in his career, whereas uh, he's not the hub and generator that a Blake Griffin is. And I feel like it's kind of those loose-fitting parts. I think Bruce Brown is similar in these ways too. Like what you ask Andre Drummond and Bruce Brown to do is not their best things, but for the team, sometimes that they just need to improve on those things in order to become a more cohesive unit. Um, I'm not sure if that quite makes sense, but maybe those are some things you think about as you construct the roster going forward. Uh, Figure out ways to make their strength shine a little bit more and hide their weaknesses if they're not able to turn those weaknesses into strengths. Uh, Again, some of this stuff makes sense in my head. Not sure if you guys quite follow or if I'm making any sense at all. But anyway, Derrick Rose was bad. He started for some reason. Six points in 20 minutes. I think that it just makes a lot of sense to have him come off the bench. Always has. More on that later. Andre Drummond, 11 points and 12 rebounds in 29 minutes. His probably worst game of the season, although there's a couple others we could throw as candidates for that too. The the steam off of his early start, five or six games or so, has uh, lost a lot of its luster over these last few. Foul trouble for the second straight game. Carl uh, Anthony Town with some flopping, no doubt. That's a thing that happens, and it happens to Andre a lot. He's got to figure it out. He's got to be smarter on the defensive side and also the offensive side sometimes as well. 25 points for Luke Kennard, 4 of 5 from 3. He was great. He is now averaging 18.6 points per game this season. I have a bit of a fascination of him being a 20-point scorer at some point this year. It won't sustain, I believe, in terms of his points per game, but it would be nice to see if he got that up there for a bit. It probably settles in at like 16 per, per game with Blake back. Um, And as long as that's a reliable 16-point per game, that would be very nice. He entered the night as the 47th best scorer in the NBA. Pretty good there. Uh, Other notes from my search of that stat, Derek Rose entered the night at 28th in the league. Andre Drummond entered the night at 25th in the league. Those guys are going to fall after Monday's performance. But looking at the leaders, here's some other things that stood out for you NBA nerds out there. Montrez Harrell is getting 20 points per game right now off the bench for the Clippers. Holy hell. And how about this one? John Morant, the rookie, 18.9 points per game. My God, here's a guy who might take this league by storm in the coming years. Langston Galloway, not taking the league by storm, but a really nice start to the season for him. 18 points off the bench, four out of six from three. Contract year, Langston Galloway, of course. Langston Galloway starting to finally put it together in the third year of his ridiculous three-year deal. Uh, Perfect, right? Perfect for this franchise. But Hopefully they can trade him. I saw a tweet from Hal on Twitter with a good idea to trade him for a big after December 15th. I'm all in for that. Uh, The team needs a backup center. They don't have a backup center. We said it all summer, and here we are. Uh, Other notes from the box score, Markeith Morris had 10. Meh. Thon had 6. Not good. We'll talk about him plenty later, as you might suspect. Tony Snell, 4 of 6 from 3, 16 points. There's going to be a regression with his three-pointers, and that's one of those things where it's going to be like, why are we 4-7 and when Tony Snell is shooting 47 damn percent from three. That's going to hurt when that comes down to earth. Langston Galloway, 46% from three. That's going to hurt when that comes down to earth. Luke Kennard, 43% from three. Maybe that's near sustainable, but again, that's going to hurt when that comes down to earth. And you're four and seven with the shooting outliers that you have right now. Going to hurt this winter on some of those cold shooting nights that haven't really come yet. The Pistons lose despite being 16 of 32 from three, 50%. Defense, defense, defense. 120 points is not good to give up. This team needs to improve on their defense in a very big way looking forward. The Pistons 
one of two NBA teams right now that have played 11 games and will play the second game of a back-to-back tonight at Miami, back-to-back number three on the season. Write your letters to Adam Silver, care of the Locked on Pistons podcast. A couple days off after that and then at Charlotte on Friday night. Unbelievably, after that, several days off when I guess it's needed. Some practice might be nice to fit in the new pieces figure out the rotation a little bit better before going to Chicago on Wednesday for the second game at the United Center this year. And then after that, hosting Atlanta on Friday before going to Milwaukee for the second game of, guess what, a back-to-back next weekend after that. So one-sixth away after uh, Friday night's game, the Pistons get a weird little four-game break after that. But up next, I'm going to give you my three takeaways from Monday night's game, what I didn't like about Dwayne Casey, and what I didn't mind so much that you guys seem to hate. That's coming up next year on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. But hey, let me tell you about Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audio books and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Audible Originals are stories created exclusively for audio, including documentaries, exclusive audio books, and scripted shows that you can't hear anywhere else. Audible keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained You'll finish more stories when you listen with Audible and always be part of the conversation. With the convenient Audible app, you can listen anytime, anywhere, on any device, mobile, Alexa-enabled, Bluetooth, and more. You can listen at the gym, where you should be, while you're shopping, in the car, while you're traveling. Anytime you can't read, you can listen with Audible. Audible members get more than ever before. Every month, you can choose one audiobook, regardless of price, as well as two Audible Originals, from a fresh selection, members stay motivated and inspired with unlimited access to exclusive guided fitness and meditation programs. Sign up for free. Updates from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post keep newspapers alive. Delivered daily to the app as well. Audible members can easily exchange any title that they don't love at any time. Members keep their library of listens forever, even if they cancel so you know you're never going to get a raw deal. Start a 30-day trial and choose one audiobook plus two Audible Originals absolutely free. Start listening now with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible Originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA or text locked on equal sign NNBA to 500-500. Again, that's audible.com slash locked on NBA or text the code locked on equal sign N NBA. Again, locked on equal sign N NBA. Feel like we needed a new code there. But text that to 500-500. I was checking out their website. An interesting book that really jumped out to me is one that my father has already read. I bought it for him. I have not bought it yet. I'm probably going to get this Audible purchase uh, trial and check it out. The Terror in the City of Champions is a book from Tom Stanton, Murder Baseball and the Secret Society, the Shock Depression Era Detroit. I heard Tom talk about it on a Detroit-themed podcast. Check that out. Got the book for my dad. He blew through it. He loved it. It's about uh, the mob ties with the 30s-era Detroit Tigers team that ended up winning the World Series. Great stuff, and I'm sure that you would uh, love to check that out on Audible. And uh, again, audible.com slash NBA or text lockdown equals NBA to 500-500. Yes, sir! All right, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about Miami, what to look for tonight on the second half of a back-to-back. But here's three takeaways from Monday night's game 
They get more important in order as we go. But the number three takeaway is Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not a big fan of his, and I know you guys kind of feel the same. Flexing after dunking a couple times on Thon Maker. Bit of an empty stats guy in my mind too, but I'm really intrigued with this Minnesota Timberwolves team. Not that I think that they're going to be very good this year. Actually kind of quite the opposite. Uh, a middling franchise that at least they have two uh, young pieces and three young pieces if you want to throw Jarrett Culver in there, but a team that's going to be outside the playoffs that I don't see the way a, a great way forward for this roster as it's currently constructed. Carl Anthony Towns re-signed last, before last season the max contract, so he's got four more years after this one locked in. Signed before Gerson Rosas got there this offseason, he took over, came over from Houston and is now the president of their basketball operations. Obviously, it would have to be a huge haul that you would have to trade if you wanted to get rid of him. Um, it, but it might be the kind of haul that would entice like an asset type of front office like you figure Rosas would be. Can you imagine the goodies that you could get for Carl Anthony Towns in terms of young players, draft picks, pick swaps, all that stuff. He's got Sashin Gupta over there now, stole him over as the analytics guru from the Pistons last season. He spent one season in Detroit, where, as I can tell, he was kind of not really listened to much at all, it seems. Uh, wasn't really empowered in any meaningful way. Uh, in fact, he just kind of left. And the Pistons showed how much they valued the analytics aspect of what Sashin Gupta did by not even replacing the position and bringing in a new analytics person. Also interesting that Gerson Rosas kept Ryan Saunders, and it seems like the organization is moving forward in a lot of ways, shooting a lot more threes this year. The consensus around the league is that the Andrew Wiggins contract is one of the worst in the league, possibly the worst, maybe other than the John Walls of the world. But you watch him play tonight, you look at the stats so far, you, you kind of poke around the league to see how he's been playing night in and night out. He's not nearly a ba as bad of a player as everyone kind of says he was. In fact, he can be very good at times. He can be good especially when going up against the pathetic Pistons wing defense, which is terrible right now. Uh, overpaid to be sure. But I think it's a fascinating team. you got Carl Anthony Towns, who's kind of the numbers darling. Then you got a team who loves their numbers. But, man, if you're watching Cat night in and night out and say that this guy is, is a winner or that the defense is good enough or that the clutch situations are good enough, uh, just, just not very impressed with him overall. It, it you know We watch him play. Obviously, he has struggled mightily against the Pistons throughout his career. But it's a little bit of a tell, and you can see why – these teams, and I know that Andrew Wiggins is a bigger culprit for the lack of success for this organization and some of the players around it as well, but you can see why this is an organization that hasn't been able to put it together with Carl uh, Anthony Towns as their cornerstone. But let's get back to the Pistons. My number two takeaway is the starting lineup in the first quarter rotations. Again, I'm not a guy who talks a lot about rotations, but I really didn't understand it when it happened as far as the announcement that Derek Rose and Luke Kennard and Tony Snell, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond would be the starting lineup. I thought, what? Derek Rose should be the second unit guy. We've all known this. It's all made a lot of sense every single time. And first of all, the starting unit, Rose, Kennard, Snell, Griffin, Drummond, other than Drummond at times when he's doing what he needs to do defensively, those other four guys are bad defensively right now. Where is the defense in that starting unit? when you're going up against great offensive players on the other team. My opinion is offensive, more offensive cohesion with Tim Frazier instead of Derrick Rose in that starting lineup, and you could have the usage for Derrick Rose in the second unit with a bunch of bad offensive players around him. Bruce Brown would make more sense than Derrick Rose in the starting lineup. Um, 
if you put Brown in there, he can bring the ball up and give it off to guys like Blake or Andre and get out of the way. Uh, unlike what you would want Derrick Rose to do, it's almost like you're wasting him offensively in there. And then let's take it through that first quarter. Blake and Rose go out, probably predetermined to get him out five minutes into the game. Pistons are down two at this point. Six and a half minutes into the game, Thon Maker comes in for Andre Drummond. Pistons still down two at this point. Eight and a half minutes into the third, first quarter, Langston Galloway comes in for Luke Kennard. Still down two at this point, but starting to slip with those rough players out there. And then a minute later after that, now you're down five. Sfee Mikhailu comes into the game for that stretch. So end of the first quarter, the last two minutes and 25 seconds of the first quarter, you got Bruce Brown, Markeith Morris, Thon Maker, Langston Galloway, and Sfee Mikhailu in this game. Uh, man, that's an NBA basketball game group of five players that you have in the first quarter. If Derrick Rose is out there with that group, you could possibly stay above water. Instead, at the end of the first quarter with those guys all out there, predictably, you're down by 15. And I know that the shots were crazy in the first quarter that Minnesota was hitting, sometimes at the end of the shot clock. I get that. Eight three-pointers made. But man, you're making both units worse than they need to be. Just because Derrick Rose is your best available point guard doesn't mean that he needs to play with the best players. In fact, with him, it's quite the opposite. And I don't really put much stock into keeping Luke Kennard and Derrick Rose together or that both need to start or finish or play second and third quarter minutes together. I don't really care about that. I don't see this quite this amazing chemistry that has to be together. I think that they're both good players. The time that they are together is fine because hopefully they both be playing a lot of minutes, particularly Luke Kennard for you, but you don't need to jimmy your whole lineup just to make that happen. I wouldn't mind seeing Luke Kennard and Blake Griffin try to establish something together this year as opposed to the last uh, season plus. I also agree that the rest of the game, uh, like Joe Truck tweeted uh, after the game, it wasn't so bad in the rotations. It just came into one bad quarter, and then we just went on and on and ranted about Dwayne Casey's rotations. Too much hap- uh, too much harping on Dwayne Casey, Dwayne Casey for rotations, when in actuality, I thought it was the inability to adjust for Andre Drummond's foul trouble by changing things up early on that made that worse. The idea of putting Blake Griffin and and Derrick Rose out there together for these designated five- or six-minute stretches at the same time at the very beginning of the game, that kind of hamstrung your flexibility when you had to make adjustments for uh, Andre Drummond's foul trouble. So I thought that that was the part that they dropped early on, but after that, Didn't have much of a problem with what the Pistons were doing out there. But my number one takeaway, I know it's the hot topic right now, uh, Thon Maker. And I do think that Christian Wood should get some minutes, should get more minutes, and probably more minutes than Thon Maker, no doubt about that. However, we'll go all the however out on you, I don't think Thon Maker is quite as bad as many of you guys do. I see you guys are just done with him completely, and I get it. And, and please don't misconstrue what I'm saying and, and, and say that Matt's on here locked on Pistons saying that Thonmaker is good or really good or that I think Thonmaker is a potential very key piece for this team. I don't think that there's much of a future for Thon in the NBA as it's presently going for his career right now. But I'll say this. There is no backup center on this roster. Just like I also thought it was bad that you have three second-year wing guys from the same second round who all need to develop, all need the minutes, it's impossible for a coach to do that. And it's impossible for a coach to put out a good defensive second unit when there is no backup center on this team. So that's kind of the part that I disagree. I do believe that Thonmaker right now is a better backup five than Christian Wood. 
And I think just think about Christian Wood going out there and trying to defend Carl Anthony Towns. I think you guys are crazy if you think Christian Wood would do any better than Thon Maker did at Carl Anthony Towns. It's a mismatch. And I know that Carl Anthony Towns and Thon Maker is a mismatch as well, but a little bit less so. I don't think that there's anywhere chance in hell that Christian Wood could do anything with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, against other teams, you can be smaller. Christian Wood might be a serviceable five out there in some lineups against certain teams that don't have the Carl Anthony Towns of the world. I also think that you know a better idea would probably be Andre going long at the beginning of halves, Blake kind of coming in short, uh, coming in uh, onto the bench short after that, and going in for Andre after a little bit of a rest as a backup five with a Christian Wood or a Thon Maker acting as a four might be better than ever having Thon or you know Thon and Morris out of the court together. That is a disaster of a defensive lineup. And even worse would probably be Christian Wood and Markeith Morris on the court together. That's the combinations that will get you in trouble. I thought there was the one or two possessions late in the game where Blake was on Carl Anthony Towns in the fourth was okay. Blake's strong enough to handle some of those guys. Uh, there was the play where Andre came over and helped for no reason to give Andre, Andrew Wiggins the dagger three. Uh, Andre with just a horrific night. The turnovers, uh, the missed uh, layups, the near turnovers at the feet that he's throwing, these bounce passes for cutters that are, are going really low, uh, that are near turnovers sometimes, the turnovers early in the season, the dumb fouls. We've seen enough of those. Um, for all the good that Andre's done early, there's been plenty of bad so far too. But I also think that the idea for Christian Wood, I think that uh, the big picture part that maybe is being missed, I think that there's a player development part of this that's being lost for some of the fan base. Christian Wood has had mental lapses on the defensive end. We've all seen that. And those have to be coached up. And guess what one of the most effective coaching tools is for Dwayne Casey? Telling your player to sit on the bench next to you. Sit down over there and think about what you need to be doing defensively to get on the court. The first segment we touched on it. I talked about how the defense on this team needs to get better. Well, how do you do that? I think that this kind of stuff could pay off for Christian Wood in the future if you cement home some of the things that he needs to be doing defensively so that maybe he becomes a valuable, somewhat like a two-way player going forward. I think Dwayne Casey is good at this. He has a reputation of being good at player development, good at developing culture, and I think that these are the kinds of things that he's doing to make that happen. Not to to say nothing of the fact that Thon Maker needs to be evaluated completely this year, and I know that some of you are saying get rid of him at all costs already. But it's a long 82-game season, and I, instead of just giving them up for nothing, just letting them slide, I think that you need to kind of evaluate where you're at with him, see if there's strides that can be made from Thon, a guy who has been giving effort in all of the minutes that he's played pretty much with the Detroit Pistons. I don't think that Thon Maker is, is good. Don't misconstrue me, but he's not nearly as bad as you guys do. I think defensively he's better than Christian Wood. I don't think Christian Wood is as great as a lot of you guys do, despite showing flashes offensively at times. And yeah, sure, I'm with you guys that Christian Wood, instead of Thon Maker on the court right now, is probably more beneficial. But with a big picture view and thinking about the things that Christian Wood needs to do to develop and learn, it's important to uh, teach those kind of lessons to a young player. I also think that there are situations like going against one of the top four or five best centers in the league where it makes more sense to put Thon in there. And I know he's not strong enough to deal with a lot of these guys, but he's stronger than Christian Wood. He can body those guys a little bit better than Christian Wood can. And Christian Wood, we've, we've seen all the flashes. We've all seen it. 
But this is a guy that was waived, a guy that hasn't been able to get onto or hang on NBA rosters for any meaningful amount of time. We understand that there's maybe some focus issues, maybe even some off-the-court issues from some things that Dwayne Casey has said. And and he's a case that where he needs to be fixed, he needs to be taught things. It's a bit of a long-term project, and I think this is a bit of a process that's going to play out over the season. And that makes me side with Dwayne Casey over the the mob, the, the few dudes on Twitter who think they know everything about uh, Christian Wood just because they've seen him play a few preseason games in a few minutes here and there in the NBA. So I'm going to side with Dwayne Casey on this one, and this is a side of an argument that I feel comfortable being on at this point. But like we said, and we since we're talking about it again, you know it's how important it is to the network. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. Coming up next, we're going to talk about tonight's game with the Miami Heat and a mishap late in the night that might cause some issues for the Detroit Pistons in their game in Miami. That's next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. All right, we've already gone long on time, so we'll kind of cruise through the segment talking about the Miami Heat tonight, Pistons in South Beach to take on the Miami Heat. And as we tape this, after midnight, late Monday, early Tuesday morning, Keith Langlois, Pistons.com, friend of the show, who travels with the Detroit Pistons, says that they're still in the airplane on the ground after midnight, 12.15 or so, at DTW in Romulus. That means that the Pistons' plane won't get there until after 3 o'clock, maybe 3.30, assuming they got off quickly after that tweet was read. you got to love this Michigan weather holding the Pistons hostage in Metro Detroit so they can't get down to Miami. So going to be a little bit of a sleep deprivation situation getting into the hotel in the early hours of Tuesday morning. Miami, meanwhile, has not played since Friday night in L.A. to play the Lakers, losing and falling to 6-3 and three on the season. Nice start to the year for them with Jimmy Butler in town. But then they had the infamous flight after that with Deion Waiters. Too many gummies, passed out, had a seizure when he woke up. We've all been there, not going to judge Deion Waiters. But uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo leading the team so far this year. The revelation this year for Eric Spolster's Miami Heat has been one of the Rookie of the Year frontrunners well behind John Morant. But another guy mentioned as an all-rookie candidate so far this season, Kendrick Nunn out of no other than Oakland University. A little bit of scuttlebutt about him. I've heard some people out there complaining that the Pistons couldn't find someone who was playing collegiately at Oakland University. But keep in mind that Kendrick Nunn was undrafted by every team in the NBA, and he was undrafted a year ago, not this past year, spent one season, one entire year in the G League. So it's not just the Pistons who who screwed this one up and missed the guy who was in nearby Rochester Hills. They developed in the, in the Miami G League system, which they've done before. They're notorious for doing this. Uh, hats off to them. Kudos for them. But it's not like he was a guy who was ready-made and developed and just sitting there playing in the Summit League and the Pistons missed out on it. That's what they do. They, 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 they developed Duncan Robinson similarly. He's a guy who's been forced to start for the Miami Heat recently, the Michigan player as well. None. Also keep in mind that he got kicked out of Illinois for allegedly some domestic violence against a woman. So maybe let's settle down on how much we want to have Kendrick Nunn on this team. And, you know, he only played one year at OU after that. Greg Campy. God love him. He's got to take a chance on some of these type of kids, but not a pretty situation for Kendrick Nunn in his background. But 
Some more news about the Heat that you'll find out here on Locked on Pistons is according to the injury report from Monday night, the Heat will have not have the services of Justice Winslow and, of course, the suspended Deion Waiters, Derek Jones Jr., and Stanford rookie KZ Akpala. All those guys are out. In addition, rookie Tyler Hero, who is everyone's tripping over themselves to talk about how great he is, he's got a left ankle sprain, and Kelly Olenek, who kills the Pistons, he's got right knee soreness. Both of those guys are questionable. So Harrow and Kelly Olenek may not even suit up for the Miami Heat, so the Pistons might have an injury advantage for the first time this year. We'll see about that. But the best part about the Miami Heat, the best thing we'll talk about on this podcast, is Udonis Haslam is still on the freaking roster. Unbelievable. He's 39 years old, but uh, great stuff from him. Love Udonis Haslam. But check out my Twitter feed for about the 130 report from the NBA. See if Blake or Derrick Rose gets load managed or if that might be an issue for them tonight. Or see if the late arrival in Miami means something strange for the Pistons lineup going forward. Betting-wise, this is off most boards given that the Pistons have all this uncertainty and the Heat are mixed in some uncertainty as well. But I did see the Heat favored by seven on a couple of shady books that did have the line posted there. But this is your boy Matt Shook, the host of the Locked on Pistons podcast, saying thanks for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be talking Pistons Heat on tomorrow's show here on the Locked on Pistons podcast. Talk to you guys then.